and welcome everyone to another edition of the John Kirkland Show. I'm glad everybody um, <clears throat> was able to join me uh, this evening. A couple of things I kind of want to get into because I, I, I know this has been a big day. I know everybody got the opportunity to see how free agency went. Um, I know, you know, boxing's been crazy. Everybody's been able to, you know, everybody's been seeing the way boxing's been going. Everybody's been seeing the NBA and the way that <clears throat> the NBA's been going uh, in terms of, you know, the Lakers struggling really, really bad. Uh, the Warriors seem to be back on track. Just all sorts of stuff, but we're about to get into it. First thing is first, I got to get to, I got to get to this boxing. I got to get to boxing. And the reason, and the reason why... <clears throat> I got to get to boxing is because I got to touch on some things and it's some things that just does not make sense to me. It will never make sense to me. So the first thing is I want to get to this Cambosis issue where Cambosis does not have an opponent as of right now. And it seems to me that every time we talk about Cambosis or every time that he should defend the titles, it's an issue between him fighting, you know, Devin Haney or, you know, does he fight um, somebody else at the 130-pound division or even Loma? He, I get from my understanding, he's supposed to fight Loma. Loma's in Ukraine fighting for his country or so on and so forth. Um, I don't know the details to all of that in terms of him fighting for his country. Now, what I'm trying to say is this is that, and I, and I spoke on this uh, earlier today, I was just telling somebody about this earlier today, is that what makes no sense to me is if you're the champion and you feel you're the best at the 135 pound division, you, you, feel, you feel you're the best and you should. Why won't you give Devin Haney an opportunity to fight you? When he's to me, he's the most worthy, the most worthy. Now, you could you could you could make the statement or you could make the argument and say, well, it's about numbers or it's about the money or whatever. The money's there. You're the unified champ. The money is there. Right. So even if you do a two fight deal where you fight Devin Haney, uh, you get the rematch whether you lose or not. You still get the rematch no matter who you fight, whether you fight Loma or whether you fight Devin Haney. But I think that if you fight Devin Haney, I think it gives you uh, a much more springboard opportunity to where, okay, you, you got Haney out the way. Should you win? You're not, you got Haney out the way. Now you can focus on Loma. You fight Loma. Now you're in a different category as far as pay-per-view, as far as numbers, as far as whatever. People don't see business that way. What they do is they bypass the obvious. So the obvious is Devin Haney. I know for a fact Cambosis will not give Devin Haney an opportunity. And if he does, it'll be because he didn't have a choice. If it's Cambosis' choice, we'll both know he's not going to fight Devin Haney. Devin Haney is too dangerous. He, he, he don't want that. He don't want that smoke. And he knows that. That's why he keep dodging it. My, I don't have a problem with Cambosis as a person or even as a fighter. I don't have a problem with him. Did he beat Tiafimo? Yes, he did. Fair and square. He sure did. I, I'm not taking that from him. I'm not. Absolutely not. All I'm saying is, 
is that stop getting on TV, stop getting on pay-per-view, stop getting on zone, stop getting on all these podcasts, radio shows, saying that you'll fight Devin Haney and you won't fight him. If your mind is made up to fight someone else, just say that. If your mind is made up to make money, then just say that. Say, hey, it's about the money for me. I, nothing personal against Devin Haney, but it's about the money. That's why I'm finna fight Lomachenko because it's about the money for me. Okay, say that. Let's stop dancing around the obvious. Let's stop dancing around. Just say, hey, this is what this is what I want to do. Just say that. You're the champ, man. Just say that. That's my only issue with Cam Bosa. I just feel like he, he got us dancing around. It's like a sweepstakes. Who could offer more? It's like, dude, whoever's the, the next contender, whoever's the next guy in line, let, let's make it happen. Let's get it done. Let's move on. Let's get it done June 5th. Let's get it done. You know, you keep dancing around and dancing around, and it's just it's just mind-boggling. It just, you know, just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Then, Ryan Garcia. The thing about Ryan Garcia is this. I don't, that's another person. I don't have a problem with Ryan Garcia. What I have a problem with is the consistency in boxing. I, I get it. You know, you want you want your YouTubers and you want your 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 Instagram followers up and all that stuff. That's cool. But man, I don't care about that. Because when it comes down to boxing and when it comes down to getting in that ring and when it comes down to uh, uh, losses versus victories, people don't care about your Instagram followers and people are not going to talk about that. What people are going to talk about is, hey, Ryan Garcia either beat the guy or Ryan Garcia got beat. That's going to be the that's going to be the, the, the conversation. It ain't going to be, oh, well, you know, he does have eight point five million followers. Nobody's going to talk about that. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like Instagram may promote the fight. Instagram may give you give you that that aspect of it. But I feel like we don't care about Instagram. If you're the pound for pound best fighter at 135, then show it. Let me see it. Because right now, I see Devin Haney. I don't see anybody else. Lomachenko's there. He's knocking on the door. I see him. I don't even see Tifimo Lopez. But my point is, is that the nonsense needs to stop. Let's get some deals done. Sometimes you got to take a little less. Sometimes you got to, you know, you got to. But if you're talking about, okay, well, I want to give the fans what they want to see, then do that. If not, then why are you wasting valuable time on YouTube and and Instagram talking about things that we know and you know are not going to happen? It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I'm going to hit a lot of fighters uh, today. So I just want you all to know I'm I'm, I'm hitting I'm hitting some fighters today because it it, is really, you know, it's disappointing me right now. Uh, Errol Spence. Now. I'm not taking nothing away from Errol Spence. Since the injury, the man's taking care of his business. I can't say nothing about Errol. He's doing his thing. Um, he's, he, he, what can I say? Now, when it comes down to Ugas, what is my prediction? What is my assessment on that fight going into that fight? Okay. Number one, let's start with, with, with Errol Spence. The fact, that, the fact is, is that his power is unbelievable. I mean, the job he did against Danny Garcia was was tremendous. I mean, it seemed like 
after the it seemed like after the accident it seemed like he got stronger as far as the punch power like you 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 were able to see the power that maybe you haven't seen in previous fights you know he looks leaner he looks stronger he he looks healthy it it, it just it was it, it seemed like a different arrow spins in that, in that in that ring i it wasn't your typical guy that's just going to come in there and 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 promise you a knockout or a victory this is a guy that you know had something to prove and and he showed it so i think in this fight ugas is going to have to press the attack like he normally does and and he's going to have to do it from start to finish and the key for ugas i think for an upset this will be a, a i'm not saying it will be a, an upset i'm just saying the key I think will be an upset is convincing the judges that he won rounds. That's the thing about boxing. If you can convince judges based on your performance that you can win rounds, we are looking at it. I guarantee you we are looking at an upset, if not a draw. Right now, Errol Spence cannot afford a draw. He's got to get a win. He's got to get it done. So the pressure is more on Errol Spence than it is Ugas. Ugas has nothing to lose and everything to gain. Spence has everything to lose. So the pressure is really on Spence. A lot of people don't think that, but it is. I think Ugas is very, very tough. He's going to be difficult. I think I see Errol maybe getting a a feel for him maybe in the first round so you won't see too much i think you you're probably going to see a little bit more skill from ugas than you will errol spence because i think errol's going to try to fill fill him out but i what i think is in the later rounds i think you're going to start seeing errol pick it up and i think that's where these rounds are going to count is in later on you know i would say maybe anytime after the fifth round i think that's when you're going to see you know you're gonna you're gonna see a pickup now. Do I think it'll go the distance? Absolutely, I think it'll go the distance. But I think that uh, um, Errol Spence wins by unanimous decision. That's my my prediction. And we move on to the Terrence Crawford. Now now TC pound for pound. Do I think he's the best 147 pounder? In boxing, yes. Pound for pound, yes. One at 147, pound for pound at 147, I think he's the best. Yes. Why? I think he's the best because, <clears throat> first of all, nobody wants to fight Terrence Crawford at 147. Nobody. Nobody wanted to fight him at 140. I don't understand how is it that you don't want to fight the best. Because clearly, if you beat the best, you're the best. So, I think what's going to happen is after this Ugas and Spence fight, I think Errol Spence has no choice. But to give not just the people what they want to see, but he's going to have to fight TC at 147 for unification. Period. Period. Do I think that fight will happen? Yes. And I think it will happen maybe late 2023. That's what I think. Late 2023. 
because I think they're going to try to sneak a mandatory in there on, on Arrow prior to that. So that's what I think. I think PBC will get that deal done now that TC, now that Terrence Crawford is a, is a free agent duty once. I think now that fight will happen because, you know, he doesn't have a promoter. They can make that fight happen no, in, in no time. So I think the, I think the deal definitely, definitely um, uh, gets done. Um, and then I'm hearing about the way that the business is being done in terms of everyone thinks, and I, I, I debate that. I find myself debating this all the time. Everyone thinks that they're a pay-per-view star and people want to talk about numbers and all of that kind of stuff. I'm kind of sick of that too, right? I don't care about your numbers. I don't care what you think of yourself. What I care about is, is the fact that when you look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm a pay-per-view star, to me, that's more of a confidence builder because you know full well that you're not even on pay-per-view. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're fighting on the zone and people are paying $19.95 or $19, whatever the, $19.99, whatever it is, that's not pay-per-view. That does not help you become a pay-per-view star. If you're fighting on, on, on platforms like Fox, uh, if you're fighting on Showtime, um, that can springboard you to pay-per-view. I don't feel DAZN can do that if you're fighting guys that at the bottom tier. So if you look at Javante, Javante had to fight guys at the top tier. And then when he couldn't get the fights, he moved up, which is why he's champion in two different weight classes at two different times. And at one particular time, he was he was champion at three different weight classes at three different times simultaneously. So when you talk about business, I feel like this. If you're Benavides and you want Canelo, fight a guy that Canelo has already beaten. Say, screw it. I'm going to jump up from 168 and I'm going to fight somebody at 175. I'll fight Kovalev. Let's make it happen. You can get his attention then. But you can't camp out at a weight class and then say, oh, well, he doesn't want to fight me at 168 when the man is unified all the belts. So meaning he can do what he wants. You can't do nothing but respect that. Now, it's Benavidez's fault. He lost his belt on the scale. And Plant beat him, or Plant inherited. Plant, no, I'm sorry, Plant didn't beat him, but Plant inherited the, the vacant belt. And then what happened to Plant? He got smoked. And I say this all the time for all the haters out there that talk about Canelo and this and that. If you go back and you look at Canelo's resume, he's beaten everybody. He was champion at 175 twice. He beat Rocky Fielder and Kovalev. And he did it decisively. Knockouts. Which I thought would have gone the distance. I didn't think he would get a knockout, but he did it. So how are you not the pound for pound king? How are you not a pay-per-view star? When you're taking risk in your career and you win decisively, that's the emergence of a pay-per-view star. No matter who you sign with. 
So Devin Haney may have to jump up to 140. You know, Terrence Crawford may have to jump up to 154. Because it's a business. And the thing is, you can't camp out at 147 waiting on somebody to fight you. Now, if you look at Keith Thurman, Keith Thurman wants a title shot. But did Keith Thurman give people an opportunity when he was champ? Absolutely not. He was out there, I'm, I'm the most exciting in, in boxing. I'm this. I'm. No, you're not. No, you're not. You are not the most exciting. Had you beat Pacquiao and retired him? Maybe. Maybe. But even still then, it's still questionable. Did Keith Thurman look good in his last fight? Maybe. But I think it's a tune-up fight. So how are you supposed to look in a tune-up? As opposed to fighting one of the top contenders in the division. Mm. So, that's my deal when it comes down to... uh, When it comes down to boxing. And last but least... But not least, I wanted to talk about this Charlo thing. And I, I saw his interview with Brian Cuss. And I like Brian Cuss, man. That's, you know, he's the man. I like his interviews. I like the way that he, you know, questions fighters and asks them questions and kind of gets the answers that we have all been, you know, looking to hear. Okay. Now, I want to pinpoint a few things in his interview. And when he talked to Brian Cuss, now when he when he talked to Brian Cuss, he 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 spoke about <clears throat> he spoke about how the judges didn't judge the fight correctly, that he wasn't hurt, that you know some of the punches he he threw some some harder punches he threw this he did this. I saw that fight, and I scored it myself. And the bottom line, the bottom line is he lost that fight. I don't care how you want to look at it, how you want to slice it. I don't care what your scorecard says. The reality of it is he lost the fight, which is why the fight is happening again. If you beat somebody decisively, why are you fighting them again? Makes no sense. Because he know in his mind, he lost. I love the Charlo brothers, man. Love both of them. Love Jamel and Jamal. They're excellent fighters, period. But I'm just calling a spade a spade. I did this to Andre Ward when I felt he lost to Kovalev. Did the same thing. And what happened when he went back in there and fought Kovalev? He beat the mess out of Kovalev. And he got it done. And he proved that, hey, maybe the first fight was a, was a fluke. But this second fight... Watch me work. And that's exactly what happened. Do I believe Charlo will win this fight? Yes, I do. And I think he'll do it decisively. That's the dangerous part about uh, Charlo, the 154-pounder, unified champ, right? Is his ability to come back. The ability to come back. He's more sharper. He is, 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 you see his power. You see, basically, you're, you're looking at what you, what you should have saw the first time. I just have an issue with the interview becoming excuses. Don't make excuses, man. Just say, hey, 
you know what? I felt I won the fight. Some people feel I lost the fight. I'm fighting them again. I'm going to prove to everybody that I can beat Castano. Period. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. No man is going to say he was the better man uh, that night if decisively if he lost. No one's going to say that. But I'm going to say it. He lost. Period. And I stand firm on that. He lost. So don't create excuses. I, I don't like fighters who do that. Don't create excuses. You lost. That's it. Move on. But in this case, it was a draw, unfortunately, which I thought was a bunch of nonsense. Same thing with Josh Taylor. Josh Taylor lost that fight. He should not be champ right now. Should not be champ, but he lost that fight. Uh, what happened with uh, Errol Spence? Errol Spence, you can make the argument against Sean Porter. Does that knockdown really make a difference? I guess that just depends on how many rounds people felt he won. I think that fight was a draw. Just being fair. However, a win's a win no matter how you get it. Just get it. So I think Charlo will get it done uh, this time around. Just wanted to throw that boxing out there because, man, it was just, like, mind-boggling. Virgil Ortiz is backing out the fight. Just, just, I don't know. It just didn't make any sense to me. I was just, like, baffled. Like, come on, man. You know, stop backing out of fights. Meanwhile, they're their A-side. Just didn't make a lot of sense to me at all. Uh, Javante Davis is going to fight Roley Romero. What is my take on that? Well, let me tell you what my take is. Roley Romero is going to get smoked. Period. I don't even know why that fight's even happening. Roley Romero, I'm going to say it again. Roley Romero's going to get smoked. Bottom line. Take your little money. You're going to get smoked. And there's going to be no doubt that, you know, Tank Davis is the best pound-for-pound fighter uh, in terms of uh, at 135, 140, however you want to look at it, he, he, he's going to be the best if he's not already. Roley is just another roadblock in the road that he's going to he's gonna beat and Roley's going to get smoked, period. I want to get to the NFL because the NFL is full of nonsense. This is some nonsense crap that I've seen in the past two days. I'm going to get on the Green Bay Packers first because I want to make light and sense of of the situation, okay? You give Aaron Rodgers three years, $150 million. But on the back end, you're having an issue signing your star wide receiver. Does he deserve to get paid? Does he deserve to be 25, between 25 and 28 million? Yes, he does. I hate to say it, but yes, he does. Every time I turn around, he has a thousand yard season. Every time I turn around. Like him or not, you just got to respect the consistency that he gives Aaron Rodgers at the wide receiver position along with, with uh, uh, Green Bay Packers. And it's, it's mind boggling that you're going to give him $23 million a year. He's not a $23 million receiver. If you put the franchise tag on him, that's $20 million. That's why he said, I'm not playing on the tag. He thinks he's worth more than that. Is he worth more than that? Sure. Because without Devontae Adams, you can't win ball games. 
Without Aaron Rodgers, you can't win ball games. Do I think Aaron Rodgers is worth three years, $150 million? Absolutely not. I'll say it again. Absolutely not. Why is that? Well, I'm going to tell you why. Because he's had four opportunities to win a championship. And he smoked them all. And here's another thing I want to add to it. Is that you play a 49ers team that probably shouldn't have been there in the first place. And the 49ers went in there and they proved why they shouldn't have been there in the first place. Or that it was not a mistake. They belonged there and they proved it. No, I hate the 49ers. I'm going to tell you that right now. But you know what? The, the end results don't lie either. So the question becomes now with Green Bay, uh, you cut Zadarius Smith and you you give Campbell uh, a $50 million contract, which, hey, I'm not mad at him because the man led the league. He led the, uh, the team in tackles. So I'm not mad. Right. But here's my question. You got Bakatari making 20 plus million dollars. The man can't stay healthy. Where do you go in that situation? Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Then you look at your offensive line. You, 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 you got to protect Aaron Rodgers on the O-line. And then you also got to get some interior D-linemen. And then, and then somebody said to me, Somebody said to me that all the Packers do is, is, is throw and that Aaron Rodgers deserves MVP. Does he deserve MVP? It's arguable. I'm not saying he don't. But if you're looking at it from a statistic standpoint, now we can throw names in there. But if you're looking at it from a standpoint of look at the body of work, look at the body, look at the team. And then look at what he did and how much better he makes that that team and look at how far they went. Sure. But my thing is this. When you go into the playoffs and you lose in a divisional round to a 49ers team that was not healthy and you look at your mistakes and you look at your team, you compare last year's team to this year's team. Do you honestly think that you're much better than what you were outside of the fact that you signed Aaron Rodgers? To me, absolutely not. I've asked three different people on three different occasions, and they all said this. Same song. Same dance. Do I believe that? Absolutely. They didn't get better. So why teams are getting better, why teams are making splashes like Denver and some of these other teams that are make that, that are saying, screw it, we got we to gotta make some splashes. San Diego. These guys are committed to winning because they look at their division and say, wait a minute, the Raiders are on the horizon. Uh, the Chiefs, they're always good every single year. They're always the team that comes out the West. And then you got Denver who just made a splash with... Um, Russell Wilson. And then they turned around to sign Gregory for $70 million, which is questionable, but I get it. They're putting the pieces together. So that's a tough AFC West right there. When you look at, when you look at the division, 
So now, fast forward, you look at the NFC North, where you have Detroit, Bears, and the Packers. And my thing is this, or Minnesota Vikings, my thing is this. Sure, you'll come out the North. You'll probably win the North again. But who cares about the North? You signed a three-year deal, $150 million. So at this point, I'm thinking, okay, well, I guess one man could win a championship now. But then I keep hearing, Brady cheated, Brady did this, Brady did that. Let me say, let me tell you this. Here's a fun fact. We're talking about a seven-time Super Bowl champion. We're talking about a guy who left, who left, who left the uh, New England after winning six Super Bowls, turns around, wins another title within his first year with Tampa Bay. Now that's a guy that's worth $150 million for those who don't understand uh, the difference between, uh, you know, money versus uh, achievements. If you want to compare it to, to that, to that situation. Oh, and just so everyone knows, um, Joe Montana won three MVP awards. Okay, and I, I, I throw that out there because nobody thought he was worth $150 million. Okay, um, just throwing this out there to you. Uh, Peyton Manning won five MVP awards along with two uh, championship rings. And nobody thought he was worth $150 million. So I'm just throwing that out there. And so my, my point, when I say all these things, my point is this, is that when you look at the legacy at the end of the day, is he a Hall of Famer? Absolutely. Will he get the gold jacket? Sure. But the question is, when you go to bed at night, how many rings did you get? One. You haven't won anything since 2010. So if your quarterback has all the money, how do you get better from that? And I asked the Vikings the same thing since they decided to give Kirk Cousins a one-year extension for uh, $35 million. I'm, I'm, I'm a little baffled now. A little baffled. I don't know what's going on in that division. I, I don't know. But it just doesn't make sense. Now the Dallas Cowboys. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. I've been a fan since 92. What's bothering me about my own team It's hard to be a fan. Jesus. My issue with the Dallas Cowboys is simple. Do we have a good football team? Yes. We were 6-10, and and then we turned around and went, I believe, 12-5, and if I'm not mistaken, this year. So we were 6-10 and last year, 12-5 and this year. It's a big turnaround, yes. With Dak Prescott, yes. Okay. Where did we stand defensively? Because I feel like that's the difference between us winning a championship and losing. We had the number one rated offense all season. I'll even go down and say number two, give or take. But we were still one of the best offenses in the league. That's fine. But the question is, how did we fare in free agency defensively and Are the Cowboys waiting on the draft? Then you give Mike Gallup $60 million. 
dollars, 62 and a half, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, on a five-year deal. Why? Why? Let him go. Get some defense. There's still some, there's still Jarvis Landry out there. There's still some receivers out there. There's still a receiver in the draft. We still have C.D. Lamb. There's still, you know, other options at receiver. Doesn't make sense. So the Cowboys will always be like Green Bay. We look good on paper, but when it counts, we don't get it done. Hate to say it. Now the 49ers. Now, the interesting part about the 49ers is this. Is that they went to the NFC Championship game with the team that they had. Now, how arguable is that? Well, simple. They shouldn't have been there. But they were. Their defense was impressive. Did they lose anybody on defense? To my knowledge, no. And they added a guy named Ward. I believe he's a corner from um, San, uh, from the Chiefs. I like that move because they're getting better, stronger, more difficult defensively. I got to give it to them. They lost Tomlinson, I think, on their offensive line, but that's about as, as much as I've seen them lose so far. Now, Jimmy G. I like Jimmy G. I think Jimmy G's shown a lot. Now, I was talking to somebody today that said, I personally don't have a problem with Jimmy G. It's just that when it comes down to when the game is on the line, he doesn't get it done. The problem I have with that is... You're thinking Trey Lance can get it done because that's the next best option. First of all, Trey Lance is not ready. Jimmy G was the only option you had to get where you're at in the first place. Without Jimmy G, that does not happen. Trey Lance is not going to get you past, is not going to beat the 49ers twice. Not happening. Not happening. They're not beating the Rams twice. Not happening. You can say what you want. Not happening. Trey Lance will not get it done. Now, does he have the ability? Does he have the upside? He has all the intangibles in the world to be a successful quarterback in this league. Will he win more championships? I think you're putting a lot of pressure on I don't think so. I don't think he's going to win championships like that. I don't think so. I don't even think Shanahan's going to be the head coach like that. Because I think when you speak into existence, you're talking about years well beyond the Fred Warners and the Bosa's and so on, because that's what it's going to take. That's what it's going to take. Defensively, they're going to be intact and they look sharp. And I think I, I don't think they're done. I think they're going to continue to build that, that, that team. And I really want to see them get an offensive line because they're going to need it. No matter who's, who's behind center, you got to protect your quarterback. So I hope that the 49ers do that. The Raiders. 
the Raiders are in a great position. A lot of people think, ah, oh, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about, all that stuff. Listen, man, at the end of the day, Josh McDaniels, look at the work he did with Mac Jones. Mac Jones, look at what he did. Impressive. Mac Jones was clearly impressive. His, his, his game translated from the college level to the NFL level. That's what happened. So if he can do that for a young kid who was not a top five pick, who was not the first quarterback taken in the draft, not the second quarterback taken in the draft, have a stellar season his first year, what do you think he can do for Derek Carr? Just saying. Just I'm going to let that marinate for a little bit. I'm going to let that marinate a little bit. But I do believe in two seasons the Raiders will be will be uh, a, a, a somewhat of a threat in the AFC West. I think they'll be contending with the Chiefs and the Ra- in the uh, San Diego. I'm not San Diego, sorry. Uh, the Chargers, LA Chargers and Denver Broncos. They'll be knocking on that door real soon. They'll be knocking on that door. Now, before I wrap this up, I keep hearing people want me to talk about the Lakers and the Warriors and all of that, right? So we'll, we'll, we'll do that. Now, let me talk about these Lakers because I know that's what everybody wants to hear, these Lakers. Um, the bottom line for L.A. is we're not better. The trade for, West, for Russell... West Westbrook, <laughs> aka West Brick. <laughs> um, that trade did not make us better. It actually made us worse, as you can see. We're getting blown out by teams we should be handling. We shouldn't have a we should have a problem handling. And it's very embarrassing. And I have no idea of how LA can get back on track after trading everything we had for one player who is not producing at all. I have no idea what LA is gonna do. It's just embarrassing. Golden State. Now, I like Golden State right now. I think they're gonna be right there in the Western Conference Finals. I think that it's gonna be out of the West. I think it's gonna be the Suns and the Warriors. I can tell you that right now. I mean, look at look how good uh, the Suns are playing without CP. And once CP gets back, it's, it's going to be for real. I think they added some different dimensions to their to their to their team as far as size, down low. Um, I, I like the fact that they got some shooting in there. Um, they they pretty much just added to what they already had. Um, so I, I like that. And then I also like uh, the young the young players that Golden State has. Now, I know I know some people may agree may disagree, but. I was looking at Klay Thompson, and I was looking at some of the inconsistencies that I saw with Klay Thompson since he's been back. And what I didn't understand why Steve Kerr has him starting instead of coming off the bench, because when I see him run up and down the court, I still see where his knee still seems to be tender. You know, he, he, he's kind of going through the motions instead of going through cuts. You know, uh, 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 I even seen him in transition. 
you know, you can still, he's, he's still favoring that knee. I can, I still see it. And I just thought maybe with him coming off the bench, whether you have Curry on the floor, off the floor, I think it just gives you so much firepower um, because a fresh Clay Thompson obviously is a dangerous one. And I just think that with his knee injury and just the way that he's, you know, moving up and down the court, I just think it would be better because he's favoring that knee. It's, 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 it's obvious. And, um, and if you got to rest a guy after he's been out two years, then, you know, maybe, maybe it's best for him to come off the bench. You know, I like Wiggins. Wiggins has been pretty consistent. Um, and I like the two rookies they got. So I think they got a good bench to compete. Um, I just want to see the Warriors have a better rotation in the lineup. I just don't like the way that, you know, they have their lineup. You know, one minute you got Jordan Poole in there, the next minute you don't. You know, um, I think if you want to get the most out of Jordan Poole, I would start him and have Clay come off the bench. And, and the reason why I say that is, again, because you're taking a risk with his knee. You know, he's still favoring that knee. You know, and I think that's what's best for the team going forward. Now, maybe his, maybe his knee may get better, you know, over time. And how much time does that does he have as opposed to uh, the playoffs, you know, remains to be seen. Um, by the way, Steph Curry's a bad man. I, I hate to say it. I said I would say it, but that's a bad dude. I mean, I was looking at the shooting percentage where um, he shot on a bad night, on a bad night. He still shot better than the whole team. In one, on, he had a bad night where in 10 games, in 10 games, he shot just as good as a team in 10 games that they did in one game. I said, you got to be joking. That's a bad dude. King James, man, you got to hang in there, man. It is what it is, you know. Um... This is probably the roughest year I've seen uh, LeBron. This is his roughest year. And I hope that the Lakers get better. I don't know where we go from here. I don't even think we even make the playoffs. Um, But I hope we get better. Going forward, I would like to say thank you to everyone who took the time out to tune into the John Kirkland Show. I wanted to hit up a a lot more things. Um, But I'm going to save that for tomorrow. Tomorrow we're going to do another show where I'm going to speak on a lot of more different things uh, as as a result to sports. And I'm going to get into uh, a little bit more of the free agency and kind of just dial into the cap and and see where teams lie at now that we're in the third day of uh, free agency. And I also am going to get into the uh, NCAA tournament. It's tourney time. And I'm going to break down the brackets and, and break down the, I call it, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, bracketology or something like that. And so we're going to, we're going to get into it. So, uh, you don't want to miss this tune in tomorrow and, um, I will really get down into this bracketology thing because it's very tricky. It's very tricky. These number one seeds be going down against, you know, these these teams you never even heard of. Probably won't even take another look at them if they're playing on TV. So you don't want to miss it. Tune in tomorrow. You guys have you guys be safe. Be blessed.